The Heather McCoy Show. And welcome back to The Heather McCoy Show. Joining us on the line is Lacey Kalmos, who is a field organizer with the Pacific or with Public Citizen. We'll be talking about the Trans-Pacific Partnership, or TPP, and how this trade effect, uh, trade agreement would affect adjoining uh, states that choose to do it. Welcome to the show, Lacey. Thanks for having me, Heather. Oh, you're welcome. Um, as the name applies, it is a Trans-Pacific Partnership. So the country of Spain, for example, isn't included in the negotiations. Reading up on this topic, uh, I haven't found a single reason why this pact is exclusively with the countries of the Pacific. Do you happen to know the logic behind that? Uh, well, I can't really read uh, the president's mind, but <laughs> we do think that it does have something to do with this pivot towards Asia and exerting influence in that region. And what does a pivot towards Asia mean exactly? Well, um, in terms of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, it means uh, creating a kind of network of trading partners so that we can uh, kind of determine um, not just you know trade issues, uh, but the Trans-Pacific Partnership would address non-trade issues as well. So they would determine the signatory countries' policies on issues such as food safety, internet freedoms, access to affordable medicine, food labeling, and tracking policies. Yeah. Um, it is being billed as a fee trade pact, but there is so much more than that. In fact, according to the New York Times, only five of 29 chapters actually cover traditional trade values, such as tariffs and the rest. The rest of provisions protect investors at the expense of local sovereignty. Uh, Hollywood has crammed a ton of intellectual property rights that go way overboard and will cripple the internet as we know it, just to name a few examples. What are some of the other repercussions that TPP will have if it's passed by Congress? <laughs> oh, well, there, there are very, there's a lot. Um, and that's one of the reasons why there are so many different types of organizations working against this, from the labor movement to environmentalist groups to faith groups to uh, GMO, anti-GMO activists to food safety groups. Um, and as you said, uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, even though we call it a free trade agreement, uh, it's a complete misnomer because it's not really about trade definitely not free, um, and there's really, when you get down to it, not much agreement on it. Um, but I think one of the most um, kind of interesting things that has happened, especially in the last week, uh, is that just last week there was um, a, the intellectual property rights chapter of the Trans-Pacific Partnership link leaked through WikiLeaks. Um, I think that most people find really interesting um, is that what we've discovered through this leak is that the Trans-Pacific Partnership would um, really impact our access to affordable medicines and the way we do we operate on the internet? Um, so, for instance, uh, when it comes to medications and you know how it impacts how we interact with our doctors, the Trans-Pacific Partnership would allow patents on surgical and treatment methods. So that means that if a doctor violates such a patent. Um, even if doing so saved a life under the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that doctor could face a lawsuit. I always, uh, I always thought the uh, procedures, as far as like, um, how, you know, saving patients, I thought that was kind of a, a, like a, a public domain thing, where other doctors would teach doctors for the betterment of all mankind. Well, under the Trans-Pacific Partnership, that wouldn't really be the case. Oh wow! Uh, the doctors would have to really second guess themselves. Um, and right now there are some patents um, in U.S. law on some methodologies, but there are, uh, you know, ways that doctors can be exempt um, from certain patents that they can be protected. And the Trans-Pacific Partnership doesn't have 
any of these protections for doctors. So they'd be constantly worried about facing lawsuits. Um, also, the Trans-Pacific Partnership would increase uh, evergreening, uh, which is when big pharmaceuticals can keep extending patents for things like you know, patents on medications for things like changes in dosage, delivery, and use. Uh, so this will really delay the ability to manufacture any generic medications, which we all know uh, generics are what keep uh, prices low uh, so that we can actually afford, um, you know, our monthly uh, medication bills. Oh, definitely. Uh, we mentioned the Internet. There's a bunch of IP mm-hmm. provisions that, quote, you know, track down piracy. Um, since the Internet measures are like uh, SOPA on steroids, which was uh, brought out in public and defeated very thoroughly in 2012, and a lot of that has to do with the Internet uh, blackout that Wikipedia and other websites uh, participated in. Is there any action along those lines for the TPP? Um, well, we have been working with some really great um, internet freedom groups such as the Electronic Frontiers Foundation and Public Knowledge. Um, and we have been working with them to get the word out. But because of the leaked chapter last, last week, um, we've gotten the attention of a lot more groups like Wikimedia. And so we're hoping to bring them into the fold now more, um, especially since, as you said, the TPP uh, would require um, a mandatory preset statutory sign for small-scale commercial copyright infringement, uh, which means that you and I, uh, or any of the listeners, could be fined the same way for trading things like recipes or songs. That's considered a small-scale commercial uh, copyright infringement because if, you know, I gave you a recipe and you gave me a recipe, we would each get something in return. Yeah. Um, so, the, you know, that sort of interaction would be the, treated the same way as someone who pirates movies for a living. Um, and the way they would find out about this is that Internet service providers would be forced to police user activity, or else they would risk being held liable for uh, users' copyrights infringements under the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Another, <laughs> another Hollywood provision has extended the uh, copyright to the life of the author plus 100 years. Currently, it stands mm-hmm. at, I think, 70 or 75, and 95 years for corporate works. So Disney's at it again, trying to save Mickey Mouse this time internationally. This. Exactly. And, you know, um, Disney isn't the only one that really benefits from the Trans-Pacific Partnership. There oh, are no. over 600 corporate advisors who have not only been seen the, the draft text when, you know, members of, most members of Congress haven't seen it, but they've actually influenced it. So you see their fingerprints all over this thing. You see Disney's fingerprints, Monsanto's, Cargill's, Halliburton's, Walmart's. It really shows that the Trans-Pacific Partnership um, is not beneficial for you you and me, the everyday person. In fact, it really impacts negatively our everyday lives. But it creates huge profits for these multinational corporations. Yeah. What would the TPP mean to labor and environmental regulations? Very good question. Uh, So as far as labor rights go, uh, the TPP would actually incentivize offshoring jobs and accelerate uh, the race to the bottom, uh, which, you know, its predecessors uh, had, like NAFTA, had already created. Um, So as far as incentivizing corporations to offshore jobs, um, this especially goes for the manufacturing, call center, and other service sector jobs. 
Um, one of the big incentives um, is the investor state dispute resolution system, which is already in um, previous you know, so-called free trade agreements like NAFTA, CAFTA, um, and the Korea free trade agreements. Um, and the investor state dispute resolution system would not only elevate corporations to personhood, but actually, um, you know, elevate them to, you know, nationhood. Um, the way it would do this would be that foreign corporations based in TPP countries would be able to sue TPP countries' governments for loss of expected future profits. Um, and a lot of these loss of expected future profits um, are, you know, profits lost, in quotes, um, because of environmental, human rights, workers' rights, and other, you know, what we consider to be positive social reforms, the reforms that might eat into the profits of these corporations. So instead, when they launch these investor state attacks, corporations don't have to go to the domestic government so they can bypass the domestic court system and take their case to these, you know, tribunals of three private sector attorneys, attorneys from the World Bank and the UN. Um, and the rulings are not bound by precedent. There are no outside appeals allowed. It's basically a way for foreign corporations to get around domestic courts, which creates this huge incentive um, for corporations to offshore jobs because they can set up shop in another country and they can basically have a get-out-of-jail-free card um, if they run into any problems there. Um, in addition to this, the TPP includes Vietnam, which is now considered the low-wage alternative to China. Um, and Vietnam doesn't allow any labor unions, has very low safety standards and low wages. I and mean, when we're talking about low wages, China's average wage rate is about $4.11 per day. The average manufacturing wage rate in Vietnam is $2.75 per day. Oh, wow. So, so why would a corporation spend any time um, negotiating with our labor unions here in the U.S. when they can just offshore jobs to Vietnam where they can completely exploit workers? And what gets me is that this isn't good for the workers in Vietnam or wherever the next low-wage alternative will be. It's just countries competing to be the most exploitable workforce. Um, and that creates, not even creates, but accelerates, exacerbates this global race to the bottom. So the TBP is not good for the labor movement, our workers here in the U.S., but it's also really devastating for workers overseas. With the investor state provisions, it would mm -hmm. basically, because you're affecting, quote, lost profits, um, communities that have local buying directives, that could be wiped out with TPP as well. Mm -hmm. Everything is up for grabs under the TPP. This is what makes a kind of global issue a very personal, local-level issue as well. And I can see, and I, I think this hasn't been addressed by the TPP because this part hasn't been leaked, but the, as far as the food importation stuff, I have a feeling it's going to be a lot like that one great documentary from 2005, Life and Debt, where uh, food is processed in the United States and brought to Jamaica while their agriculture system falls apart, but they export like cheap clothes from Hanes. Right. Um, the impact on food imports and, and food labeling in the U.S. is very considerable. Um, it's, what would happen is that uh, safety standards on imports would be considered a trade barrier. Um, so the U.S. and the other countries in the TPP 
uh, would be required to import meat and other products from other TPV countries, even if they do not meet that country's safety standards. Wow. Um, and some of these TPV nations have some serious shrimp and fish safety issues. Um, for example, high levels of contaminants have been found in Vietnam's uh, seafood coming into the U.S. Um, so we have this flood of unsafe food or potentially unsafe food coming into the U.S., but under the TPP, food labels would be considered trade barriers. So there would be no more country of origin labeling, no more made in wherever, no more locally grown labels, no more GMO labels. Um, so you wouldn't know where your food comes from unless you, you know, grow it, catch it yourself. Yeah. The negotiations around TPP have been ultra secret, except for those 600 people that you were saying that were just uh, basically from corporations, trade advisors uh, representing big business. Uh, a former Obama official, Ron Kirk, was candid when he was quoted in Wrecker saying he making the t- public text of the TPP would mean that uh, the trade pact would never get passed because it's so unpopular. Um, to get around this uh, problem, President Obama is trying to get Congress to use its fast track authority to pass trade agreements. Uh, what is fast track authority for trade agreements and uh, what legislative procedure uh, would ha- have to go through to go uh, to have TPP go this route, and more importantly, what can we do to stop it? That's a very good question because fast stopping fast track is really the key to stopping the Trans-Pacific Partnership. So fast track uh, is also known as uh, Trade Promotion Authority. It was established in Nixon uh, in 1974, so it's completely outdated um, procedure <laughs> to be using today. <laughs> Um, And what it would allow is that the Obama administration or any other president that comes after him uh, would be able to negotiate and sign trade agreements before Congress gets to vote on them. Then it would go in front of Congress, both the Senate and the House of Representatives, um, for a mandatory and expedited vote. So Congress would have to vote yes or no on the agreement within 60 days. They would not be allowed to any amendments. So if they, they would basically have to decide whether they, you know, something that they maybe liked in the TPP was better than something they disliked in the TPP. Um, so it becomes a very difficult situation for them. Um, there would also be limited debate. So it completely changes the way that our Congress legislates. Um, this is what would happen under fast track. So um, and what they've been saying, those who are trying to push for fast track, is that we need fast track in order to pass any um, trade agreements. But there have been over 500 trade agreements passed since 1974, and fast track has only been used for about 16 of them. And they're the worst ones, like NAFTA, the, the North American Free Trade Agreement, and the WTO, the World Trade Organization. Um, even as a candidate, Obama said that he would replace fast track and that Congress would play a strong and informed role in trade agreements. But now he wants fast track passed by the end of the year. Um, it would also allow apply to TAFTA, the Transatlantic Free Trade Agreement, which is coming down the line. We've started negotiations uh, between the U.S. and the EU. Um, so basically we need to stop this thing um, so that they don't ram through another a trade agreement that is harmful uh, for, you know, basically the world, but especially for U.S. citizens. Yeah. Um, and what we're doing right now, uh, last week, uh, on the same day as the WikiLeak, um, there was a letter 
um, sent out by and signed by 151 House Democrats committing to vote against Fast Track. There was also another letter I released last week with 23 Republicans who have signed um, on saying that they will commit to voting against Fast Track as well. What's the so, likelihood that that coalition is going to hold up under really heavy, intense White House pressure? Well, that's where um, the activists on the ground uh, come in. We have to make sure, we have to keep talking to our representatives and say, look, you signed on to this letter. Thank you so much for looking out for my best interests. You're going to have a lot of people knocking at your door, and we want to make sure that you still vote no on fast-track trade authority. Um, and for those who didn't sign the letter, um, we also would like our, our activists in the field to contact them and say, look, this uh, fast track is bad for our district. It's bad for me. It's bad for our country. Um, so you need to make a public and strong commitment that you will vote no on fast track. Um, and if you're wondering uh, which representatives uh, signed on to the agreement and which ones didn't, you can find that list as well as the letter language on uh, exposethetpp.org. What I don't understand is that President Obama is in his lame duck term with no more campaign contributions to repay uh, from big donors and corporations. Why is he pushing this in his final term? Honestly, I, I don't know, except yeah. for the fact that he's been working for this from the beginning. Um, I would imagine that it would look pretty bad if he didn't get Fast Track Trade Authority, if he didn't get the TPP uh, pushed through. Um, it's one of his legacy items. Um, and we want to make sure that that, that isn't his legacy. <laughs> yeah, it's like the Bill Clinton and the Telecom Act 96. It's his legacy, but it's really a horrible one. Um, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, you mentioned in the beginning of the interview, they recently released a statement saying it was concerned that they were being spied on on their work to opposing uh, the Internet portion of TPP. This concern came from a New York Times article that had said that the government customers of the NSA included the U.S. Trade Office. Is uh, your group at Public Citizen concerned of this spying as well? Uh, yes, we, we do have some concern of that as well, but that's not going to get in the way of our work. Yeah, definitely. You have to just kind of press on and assume they're watching. Um, so uh, any last things that you would like to share with the audience before uh, we call it a day? Well, I would just like to thank you for having me and also really... Um, I would ask people to spread the word about this. We need more people knocking on our representatives' doors and making a lot of noise about this. So if you go to www.exposethetpp.org, there's lots of more information as well as things you can do to take action. You can also check out Expose the TPP on our Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Pinterest accounts. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have you spread, help us spread the word and get involved in this fight. Lacey, thanks for being on the show. She's from Public Citizen. It can be found at citizen.org. And uh, we'll keep us updated, won't you? Yes, I definitely will. Okay, this is the Heather McCoy Show.